This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. And from one quagmire to the other, I begin our next story with a loaded question. When will the Russia-Ukraine war end? It has been 282 days. Over 6,500 civilians have lost their lives, as have some 13,000 Ukrainian soldiers. Estimates say some 10,000 Russian troops have been killed and injured. How long before this war ends? What if we told you we may be seeing signs of a start to the end of this war? What signs am I talking about? Let me show you. Choose my words very carefully. I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin if, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war. He hasn't done that yet. If that's the case, in consultation with my French and my NATO friends, I'll be happy to sit down with Putin to see what he wants, has in mind. Well, you know him. That's U.S. President Joe Biden. He says he is prepared to sit down with the Russian President Vladimir Putin, provided Putin is ready to find a way to end the war. Biden says he has chosen his words carefully. In other words, this should not be brushed aside as one of his many slipped of tongue slash faux pas movements. So one should be safe in asking, is the West extending an olive branch to Putin? Is the U.S. ready to meet Putin midway? Or are we to understand that some back-channel talks are already being held somewhere? And I ask this because of the very nature of the kind of meeting that Biden is hinting at. You see, it's okay when military leaders of countries meet and nothing substantial comes out of it, much like the kind of meetings that we witnessed in the Polish border when the war started. It's also okay when envoys meet and fail to find common ground. But when leaders of two rival camps meet, the world expects some solid outcome, something solid out of the meeting. The stakes are all the more high when leaders of the two Cold War rival camps meet, unless something substantial is to come out of it. A headline that dominates the cover page of every newspaper on the planet the leader would rather not sit down and talk and risk being seen as a failed statesman slash negotiator. Joe Biden all the more. You see, Putin does not have much to lose. He is not sitting at the helm of the world's oldest democracy. Biden is. His predecessor, Donald Trump, has set the bar high for him when it comes to sitting down with the Russian leadership. You remember the Helsinki summit? the high-profile Trump-Putin meeting that the world could not seem to have enough of? The two spoke for nearly two hours. Putin called the meeting candid. Trump, deeply productive. The world will be expecting nothing less than a productive meeting if and when Biden and Putin meet. And the former knows this. His voters back home too will be watching carefully. My point here is that the very fact that Biden is hinting at the possibility of a meeting, a meeting with Vladimir Putin, one should not be wrong in assuming that Biden is somewhere assured that if such a meeting were to happen in the near future, it will be fruitful.
because he cannot risk anything else or anything less. Now, say the meeting happens in the coming days or months. Envoys work out the details beforehand. What happens then? Will Ukraine have to cede territory? Will Russia have to withdraw troops and return every inch of the captured land? What happens to Donbass? And this is where we hit the speed breaker. You see, one of the points that Biden is putting forward is that Russia will have to withdraw troops for any talk to happen. The Kremlin says there is no chance. The Kremlin spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, has said that Moscow is not ready to accept that condition. As for the talks, Peskov says that Putin also is willing to talk, just like Biden is. But first, the U.S. will need to recognize the annexed territories. You know, Donbass, Zaporizhia, Kherson. You remember the referendum. Russia says the people of Donbass, Zaporizhia and Kherson voted to join Russia. And the West says the referendum was staged and rigged. My point is, the region remains contested. Russia says America's stance complicates the possibility of talks. United States of America still doesn't recognize Russia's new territories. And of course, this highly complicates the search for some mutual basis for talks. To achieve our goals, President Vladimir Putin was, is and remains open to talks with all parties. But this is something the two sides will have to work out. You see, neither the West wants to be seen as the side rolling out the red carpet for Putin, nor does it help the Kremlin to be seen as a side that's compromising. That may explain why there is mixed signaling. Look at the joint statement, for example, that the US and France released following the meeting between the two countries' leaders at the Oval Office. This joint statement says that both Biden and Macron are committed to holding Russia accountable for quote-unquote widely documented atrocities and war crimes committed both by its regular armed forces and by its proxies. Even during that interaction with the press, Biden did not miss an opportunity to criticize Vladimir Putin. He's miscalculated every single thing he initially calculated. He thought he'd be greeted with open arms by the Russian-speaking portions of the Ukrainian population. Go back and read his speech when he invaded, when I said they were going to invade, and they did when we said they were. Go back and read the speech he made. He talked about him with needing to be another Peter the Great. He talked about the need for the people that Kiev is the mother load of Russian identity in the beginning, et cetera, et cetera. He's just miscalculated across the board. No words spared there. But guess what? This all-out criticism was followed by the offer to sit down, talk, and find a way to end the war. I'm prepared, if he's willing to talk, to find out what he's willing to do, but I'll only do it in consultation with my NATO allies. I'm not going to do it on my own. Thank you. Why wouldn't the West want to end the war? Yes, Russia is an arch enemy for the US, but it is also Europe's energy station. The continent relies heavily on Russia for gas, that's point number one. Two, a war in the neighborhood does not help anyone. One day a missile hits Poland and kills two people. 
Another day, Moldova suffers a power cut. What's next? It helps Europe to not have an answer to that question and to end the war before things escalate any further. Or there's more damage. As for the US, it is staring at an election. 2024 is when America elects its new president. What's happening in Russia has sent energy prices soaring. Biden knows that angry voters can be unforgiving. So it helps his campaign to bring an end to the war. Biden also gets to score a foreign policy point that he desperately needs. And what about Putin? What does he gain by sitting down at the talking table? Well, quite a lot actually. Let's face it, Biden is right where he says that the war is not quite going how Putin would have wanted it to. The Ukrainian military's counteroffensive has forced the Russian forces to flee Kherson. Russia is also paying a great economic cost. Its people are suffering. Its oligarchs are losing their assets abroad. Their yachts are being seized. Properties are being sealed. And this is a circle that Putin cannot afford to anger for too long. You see, Russia may not be the world's oldest democracy, but Putin knows he cannot take his position for granted for too long. A lot of people in Russia are angry. So it only helps Putin to sit down with Biden, talk peace and bring an end to the war in Ukraine.